Let's take a minute and pray together. Father, you're good. You're faithful. You're loving and you're generous. Thank you for providing for all of our needs and for giving us great things to hope for, even in the midst of difficult times, as you have promised to provide for us through Jesus. Pray that as we spend this time together this morning, thinking through these short stories, thinking about what it means for us, what it means for your kingdom, your people, your church. Lord, give us insight and wisdom through your spirit. Pray that you would speak to us and you'd help us to listen. Pray that you do a good thing through my efforts, for our people, for your church, for your kingdom, and all of us as we want to know you and serve you a little bit better. Entrust this time to your care for our blessing. Amen. So football season started again here in Canada back like three weeks ago, right? First time in 20 months. And so it has me a busy boy working for the CFL again this year. And then college football starts in about seven days. And so that makes me a busier boy with the fantasy football angle of my life. And then the NFL starts in two more weeks down the line, which means that me and my kids that are named after Chicago Bears players get a little bit neurotic until February, right? So, so the Bears have been a thing for me since I was about 10. It, it gets bad at times, I'll be honest. Not nearly as bad as it once did. But, like, I have kids, three of them, three boys, and the first two are named after Chicago Bears. I have about 14 different jerseys in my closet. I have been known to turn down in dinner invitations because the game was on at home. It's bad. Like, that's bad. You shouldn't do things like that. I've learned that lesson. I've grown up little by little over the years. Little. But one of the greatest moments of sheer excitement in my lifetime, regardless of whatever it might happen to be, was their 20-point fourth-quarter comeback versus Arizona in 2006. They had a punt return for a touchdown and a fumble return for a touchdown, all in the last 10 minutes of the game to stay undefeated. It led to this famous tirade from the Arizona coach, a guy named Denny Green. And he stood in front of the microphone just <sighs> huffing and puffing at the end of the game for the interview, right? Throwing his hat. They are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. It, it's, it was... I don't know if anything's made me happier than seeing that man's face melt off. It was really quite something. It was about as excited as I'd ever been in anything, shouting, jumping when that last touchdown went in. Now, normally, my wife Jen tries to share in my, some of my excitement along with this, but unfortunately for me, she had told me that she was pregnant earlier that evening and I was significantly less joyful with that news. Lessons to be learned from experience, gentlemen. When she says there's a baby coming, that should be the exciting point. Not a strange man in laundry you like running over a white line. That shouldn't matter in hindsight, right? But, but lessons learned. Now, the Israelites, the people of God, had longed for that kind of excitement for thousands of years. Thousands. They wandered through the desert following God at his command, searching for that kind of joy and not finding it. 
The prophet spoke to the people about how one glorious day it would all work out. They'd find that kind of joy they were looking for. They tried finding it in money and riches, in kingdoms, in takeovers, in idols. They tried to find it in every means known to them under the sun, really. But as the author of Ecclesiastes put it, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, like a chasing after the wind. Just when they were starting to give up hope that they would ever find that joy that had been promised to them, a man named Jesus began to preach to them about it. And he claimed to be the chosen one from God that the prophets had told them about that would lead them to that kind of joy and excitement. And he claimed all they had to do was believe and follow him. And he would show them the way. Now, have you ever felt that kind of joy or excitement over something in life? Yes, no, it's, you don't have to say it out loud this morning, it's okay, I know. Well, maybe this story of Jesus' this morning from Matthew frames it a little bit. It's like a treasure that's hidden in a field. Now, when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all that he had and went and bought the field. Have you ever felt that kind of joy that everything else in the world ceases to matter just so you can have that thing, that moment, that unbridled, inexplicable mixture of pure joy and gratitude that makes you willing to do anything to hold on to it and keep that prize that you found? The sheer exuberance overflowing and driving you to do everything to make sure that you can't lose what it is that you've now got. Now, I felt something like that for that 20-point comeback for the Chicago Bears that night. Like it or not, it's true. Now, a lot of God's people, the Jews, felt that kind of excitement when they realized that they had finally found that promise, the answers to those promises in Jesus, their Messiah. And this is partly what Jesus was trying to explain about when he told the story here of this hidden treasure or the pearl in the market that Sylvain read about for us. Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And on finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The joy of discovery, the desire to do whatever it takes to get and make that prize your own. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like, according to Jesus. So how should we react to finding life with Jesus like that? Now, this short story that Jesus told us goes a long way in helping us understand how we, as Jesus followers, should react to finding that kind of joy in Christ. It's a tale of a man and his treasure. Jesus promises we're like a hidden treasure. It says in verse 44 that Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. You can kind of just imagine a small wooden box padlocked and buried deep down underneath with maybe just like a little corner sticking out above the dirt, just enough to catch the attention of somebody who's passing by. Or maybe just enough to trip up somebody who is passing by and not paying attention. That little box under the ground is no one's and everyone's all at the same time. It's available to anybody, but only the perceptive would find it. It's just sitting there, buried, waiting to be unearthed, waiting to be claimed, and have its riches unlocked to the fortunate soul that finds it. 
Not at all like Jesus. Life to the full, salvation, the kingdom of God. These were the promises that Jesus talked about. Just waiting to be found in him. The treasure that was available to everyone. But the only way to find it is to find it. Or maybe to have it presented to you. Just like the kingdom of God, it's available to anyone, but the only way to find it is to find it or to have it given to you and to your face. Now, I've found my own treasures over the years in different ways. There's one time my mom and I were going shopping for a fall jacket for me. It was about this time of year. It starts getting gloomy once in a while, raining, cool, and it's more than you want for just a T-shirt. And being in high school, I was pretty concerned that it would be good-looking. Not just any jacket was going to do for me that day. So first we went to the Winterco store. You remember Winterco when they were in the Southland Mall? Everything there that day was pink and powder blue and purple, and there was zero chance I was wearing any of that. But it was the 90s. That's what it was, right? So in all my grade 10 wisdom, I said, forget this place. We're not staying here. Let's go somewhere else. And so we went. We went down to the Champ Sports Store in the downtown mall. And I wandered around there for a while seeing all kinds of different logo jackets and sports jackets and everything, slogans, whatever. And I finally found one for some team that I moderately liked. I was kind of interested. It was Georgetown or something like that because everybody wore Georgetown jackets in the 90s. And then I saw the price tag. It was $150. In the 90s for a 14-year-old kid who has no money? That's ridiculous. I wasn't paying that, and so I moved on. And we stopped at the Jersey City store and some other Zellers and Walmart-type places, and nothing really fit. So we just gave up looking for the day and decided to forget about it. We'd find something another day. But I asked if we could stop at the sports exchange. You know where the sports exchange is? Downtown on 8th Avenue. It, it, it's used stuff, right? It, it was getting to fall, golf season was over, and I figured there's probably a bunch of people who gave up on golf. Because most people are terrible at golf, right? And maybe I could find some cheap clubs there that would be good for me, and I'd get my bargain. So we walked in the door and made the right-hand turn around the corner, and there it was. Yeah, right? I still got that jacket. It wasn't a golf club. It was the jacket of my dreams. Hanging from the rafters up there, just around the right-hand corner, was this vintage starter Chicago Bears jacket. I didn't think the place even had clothes to start with, let alone the only jacket in the store being that. And I would never have expected or gone to a place like that for a jacket. And I figured, looking up at it there, the price is probably enormous, right? Vintage being through the roof all up. But I was excited. I would have given anything to get that jacket. And so we asked about the price anyways. And the cashier kind of seemed stunned that we even asked and took down the jacket and showed a $35 price tag and said, you know what, if it makes a difference, I'll give it to you for an even 10. Nobody wants garbage Chicago Bears jackets like this. <laughs> it's been sitting here for years. Just take it off my hands. Now, I can't argue. I believe to this day that jacket was my hidden treasure just waiting for me to find it. And in the same way, Jesus and life with him is that treasure that's just waiting for it to be unearthed, sometimes when people least expect it. It's available to everyone, 
but it's not always easy to find. Now, Jesus often spoke and preached in parables, like we're talking about over these next few weeks, and they aren't necessarily the most straightforward, easy way of communication with people. But for those who truly wanted to know what Jesus was talking about, they could find the truth and find him and life with him and salvation through it. Just like my bear's jacket, sometimes people find life with Jesus without even really knowing that they were looking for it. It's not the mind of the fool, but the way of the wise to give up everything for what you can't lose. There's joy in discovering what you didn't even know that you needed. Now, a lot of people don't know what they're looking for, especially not before they find Jesus. And they were just kind of wandering around aimlessly through this life, kind of like that man in this first parable. And you can kind of a picture, as Jesus tells the story, an older man who's kind of slowly walking down the road to Jerusalem, making his way. He's not really got anywhere in particular that he's going, maybe getting there eventually. And there's this nice dark canopy of trees over ways, going through the cool of the meadow, and he's walking along, and eventually, he sees there's something sticking out of the road. And so he goes over, and he comes up, and he starts digging, right? Like he finds it. He realizes there's something here, and he's digging away and digging away, and eventually unearths this box. And it's filled with treasure. And he has no idea why it's been there, but he knows in his heart that this is worth more than anything else that he has ever had in his life before, right? And so in his joy, he runs back, sells everything he owns to get the treasure. It takes him a minute to get his wits about him, but he thinks, this is it. I didn't even know I was looking for it, and here it is. Can you feel that sheer excitement of finding that treasure. Now, it should be the same excitement that comes with finding life in Christ, a treasure that can never be lost. The man in this parable found the treasure without even knowing that he was looking for it. He just kind of fell into it. Now, I know back in high school, a friend of mine and I, we used to go garage sailing after school on Friday every week. It was just something that we could do together. He had just got his license, and it was a great way to find deals and have fun together. We got all kinds of records and eight tracks and books and all matter of things for really cheap prices. We'd just go with a bag of coins in our pocket when the school was done for the day. And every once in a while, we'd find an amazing deal on something. There was one time I found this Boston record that I had been looking for, for 25 cents. And so I picked it up right away. Right? I didn't even know how good a deal it was until I was walking through the record store later on that week and sound, found a younger used copy for 15 bucks sitting on the shelf. Now, for you, whatever, $14, right? We sneeze and find $14 these days. Thanks. But it was exciting for me in that time, right? When we went garage sailing, we weren't looking for something in particular. We were just kind of going about life, enjoying what was happening and seeing what would come of it. Some people's experiences in coming to find and follow Jesus can be pretty similar to that. They might not even have realized they were looking for anything. They might not realize there's any need for a Jesus or a different way of life, that their lifestyle was unhealthy, or that there might even be a better way of being human. Until one day when somebody shared with them about Jesus, 
about life following him, and the truth hit them just like that, right? Weren't even looking for it. They found the treasure in the field. Can you feel that overwhelming excitement of finding Jesus? Because as God's people, we need to be able to share the reality of what Jesus means to us. We don't need to have a polished presentation. Frankly, it's better probably if you don't, because you sound like a snake oil salesman if you try and send it like that, right? We don't need to have some Hollywood blockbuster level script of the way our life has played out. Just need to be honest and live this life well that Jesus has entrusted to us. We never know when God might use our treasure to trip somebody else up from the way they'd been going and usher them into his kingdom instead. Sharing in that excitement that Jesus brings to a changed life. So go ahead and make that treasure your own. It says, once the man found and unearthed the treasure, he was elated, right? He was excited. He didn't just leave it at that, though, in the ground. Just finding the treasure isn't enough. He had to make it his own before it was going to be any good to him or anyone else around him. This wasn't his field. And as such, it wasn't his treasure. He knew he couldn't just take the treasure. He needed to buy the field to have the rights to it. It was going to cost him everything to get the treasure, but he knew it was worth it. What he had found was worth more than anything else that he had ever had. So he got up, he ran off, he sold everything he had to buy the field so that the treasure would finally be his at last. Everything else he had ever accumulated up to that point fell short of having the treasure. Now, to our North American mindset, that seems absurd. Because honestly, most of us have like everything we want. It's hard for us to even fathom what we could find somewhere that would be worth selling everything that we have to have. It's not the mind of the fool, but the way of the wise to give up everything, though, for what you can't lose. It's kind of like the story of a man who came to my church one Sunday when I was a little boy growing up here in Regina. Now, he had grown up in well, overseas, I think it was Africa, and grown up a devout Muslim, and it was... In fact, he grew up and joined an Islamic terrorist group later on. He was that devoted to his cause. Until one day, he heard the gospel and decided to follow Jesus instead. He knew what it would mean for his life. It didn't matter to him. He knew what he was found was worth more than what he had ever known. He was disowned by his family in that moment. That's tough. But the group that he had been part of hunted him day and night for years, injuring him to the point of death on a number of occasions, and he eventually spent years in prison facing a death sentence for preaching the gospel that he had come to know and love. There's probably a lot of folks in Afghanistan today who are facing that same kind of fate, if we're being honest. We have no idea what that's like. Like, not a clue. But he kept on in his faith because he knew the treasure that he had found in Christ was worth giving up everything for. Now, there's two normal places that you land a sermon like this. There's a landing spot for people who don't know and follow Jesus yet. They're asking, have you ever felt that kind of joy before and willingness to give up everything for a change? 
That uncontrollable joy of finding something that's life-changing. So much so that you'd be willing to give up everything in the world to follow Jesus. The man who found the treasure in the field felt it. That's what leads to lives and hearts being changed by Jesus, finding him so valuable that it's worth putting in the work and pursuing him above all else. Now, the other usual landing spot for a sermon like this, I call kind of the dark night joker landing place. Why so serious? Why aren't you more excited about Jesus and sharing the gospel? Why aren't you more happy and preachy all the time? Right, Christians? Why so serious? Now, I could go there, but I think that most of us have enough why aren't you more happy guilt in our lives. If you need that, it's there for you. But I'd like to take the road less traveled this morning a little bit and offer, if we truly believe that Jesus is a treasure worth giving it all up for, why are we trying to fight people into that deal? Why are we waging culture wars? Why are we even engaging in debates trying to argue people into the kingdom of God with arguments? Why aren't we instead, if we believe this is the best life, worth giving up everything for, not just living that best life confidently, and then having answers ready to share when other people see and want Jesus too, because they see what amazing lives we have in following Jesus. Like, to me, as I think about it, that would seem the mature, confident, and truly joyful way of following Jesus. Just follow him and show how amazing it really is. Having to prove how much better Jesus is through arguments and fights in our culture feels a little bit like he doth protest too much. If you've truly found a treasure worth giving it all up for, then act like it and live that life honestly. The one that he's promised in front of everyone else around you and let them find that treasure of infinite worth by seeing how amazing your life actually is and following Christ. Not that it always works out, but you're good with it. Because you know that making the right decisions doesn't always lead to the best outcomes, but you'll never regret it for a moment. Let them find that treasure of infinite worth by stumbling over you rather than shoving it in their face. Because I'll tell you, as you walk around the culture that you're in, this world, 90% of the people have heard that Jesus story before. That's the world that we live in. The issue is, we just don't make it look that appealing. We're dour. We're argumentative. We're angry. We're forceful. Instead of filled with joy and living our best life, it's not the mind of the fool, but the way of the wise to give up everything for what you can't lose. And in the end, all the things in this world are going to pass away, but Jesus and the good that we can do and the love that we can share lasts forever. That ain't going away. And if you can live that life honestly, self-sacrificing, generous, loving, caring, and gracious in front of the people around you, Man, that's a treasure worth finding. And that's going to be a better story to share than any other forceful argumentative gospel we can ever shove at them.
Who knows what plans the Lord might have for you? Whatever it is will be far more worth and far more fulfilling than anything this world could ever offer. So what would we as Jesus followers be willing to give up if it was gonna mean being able to do God's work? Promotions so that we could stay in the care group we're in? Vacations to be with the people that we actually live with? Comforts if it means that we can give a little bit more to those that we know clearly have needs? I don't know but you probably do. You know your life. And I trust the Spirit can speak to it if we're willing to listen. Those who know the joy of salvation, of serving God, of knowing Jesus in an intimate way, know that it's not the mind of the fool, but the way of the wise to give up everything for what you can't lose. Let's pray together. Father, you know us. We stand bare before you. We can't have any secrets. Spirit, we pray that you would speak to us and that you'd help us to listen and that you would lead us into ways of living and places of doing that will best offer your kingdom and that hidden treasure to those around us. Help us to live faithfully making the good decisions we can in each moment. Help us to live in faith that you will bring your good through our faithfulness. Lord, thank you for the joy of knowing you, for the gift of everything that you bless us with and the opportunity to be a part of your work that cannot fail. Help us to live faithfully. Help us take our joy in the things that bring you joy. Help us to see those around us through the eyes that you so lovingly love them with. Help us to be agents of grace and mercy in a world that is so hung up on being right and in charge and in control of the power. Jesus, you were willing to give up the power. And that's really what brought about the greatest good of all. Lord, help us to be willing to live in humility and faithfulness and to see what kind of treasure you're willing to unearth through it. Lord, we praise ourselves in your hands, ask for your blessing, and look forward joyfully to seeing what you will do. We pray also in your name, Jesus. Amen.